Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. So John chapter 1, verse 29. So we're going to, so Father, bless these words. Give us something from heaven as we consider these thoughts today. May they be your words, a personal word. I bless your name in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So um, one of the things that uh, we were sharing today with the Ukrainians, uh, each Thursday we do a class uh, with the Ukrainians uh, and um, Thank God for Zoom, huh? It's amazing. But um, we've been talking about theology of grace and just talking about experience and how we can learn from our experience and how our experience can be wrong, but how our experience is limited. When you say things in your past, things that you've walked through, um, certainly um, think of Ged's dad. I think he's 100, right? So for 100 years, he's been on this earth. That's like overwhelming. But he's got a lot of experiences, like all of us do. But, but what we have processed and walked through with God, there's the fragrance of memories where we hold on to the faithfulness of God. And then there are things in our past we should let go of, right? That's very important. Things that may be um, maybe mistakes or... Uh, challenges or um, just experiences that um, don't edify us in, in truth. <laughs> we should certainly let go of those type, type of things. But there's the fragrance of memories where we've seen God's track record. We've seen God in action. We've seen the promises fulfilled. But then there are times when you can't let go of things, things that just kind of stick in you, stay with you, um, maybe uh, different Things in life trigger uh, a, mem a system of memories that can um, bring you down or lead you into destructive thought patterns. And um, <clears throat> it's almost like a domino effect. One thing happens and all of a sudden there's a series of thoughts, series of um, self-talk or series of imaginations. So the blood of Christ is so important in the believer's life because without the blood, there's not any remission of sin, right? 922 of Hebrews. The precious blood, the literal blood of Christ, uh, was shed on that cross and sits today on the mercy seat of God, speaking better things than vengeance, right? Isn't that good? The blood of Christ not only covers a multitude of sins, but it's also speaking redemption, right? Mercy is saying no judgment. Grace is saying give him, give him God's provision, give him God's goodness. <clears throat> but positionally we know this. Theologically we know this. But how about in our daily life? How do we experience or apply the blood of Christ? So uh, many of us have been taught very well about the blood of Christ, but I, I want to give you a couple of verses to think about that literally that precious blood <clears throat> that was shed erases the trace of sin in Isaiah 44, 22. It, re it removes the consequence of your sin. So you might say, that's nice, but I still remember my sin. 
I still remember my neighbor's sin. Um, and so we all deal with that to a degree. It just shows that the blood has not been applied in certain areas of our hearts. We can know it theologically, but do we know it personally? Do we have a relationship with that truth? Is it something that is bringing us to a place of worship? Is it, a, is it something that is triumphing over the knowledge of someone's sin? I hope so. I hope so. And if it's not, maybe today in a few practical thoughts, we can help present the blood or help apply the blood that will wash away the stain, the consequence, and the past of sin. <clears throat> because um, it's shocking how much we can remember our sin when God has forgotten our sin in, in Psalm 103. He does not deal with us in our sin in 103, 10 through 12. He moves it from the east as far as from the west. And I think we can create our own problems by remembering our sin uh, and or the sin of others. Now, why am I bringing this up today? I don't know why the Spirit put this on my heart, so I'm not thinking of anybody. I'm not thinking about anything. I just want to present this edifying thought today that uh, we are... In Isaiah 118, we are clean. We are clean before God today. And in, John, in 1 John 1, 9, when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, okay? Which means he can remove the memory by replacing what happened with something that he is doing. And that's, that's how we, uh, we forgive and the Holy Spirit replaces and we, he does the forgetting or teaches us how to forget. Because when we hold people hostage due to their sin, it's we ourselves that are, that are affected. Yes, people should be held accountable. Yes, sin is destructive. Yes, we're not winking at sin. But what we're saying is the blood speaks better things than vengeance, better things than consequence, better things than, uh, than, than allowing the devil to uh, speak his, his, his words. Okay, so John one twenty nine. So think about this. I want to be like John, don't you? Don't you love John? <clears throat> Picture this. J Jesus is walking. And notice what John is saying here. A familiar verse, but... I think it's a key. Okay, 129. The next day, when John saw Jesus coming towards him, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Okay. Okay, John could have said, Oh, there's Jesus. Oh, John could have said, There's my friend. Or John could have said, Messiah. I mean, he could have said a lot of great things, right? But he said something incredibly important. And typically, when, when, when someone asks you a question, what is personal in your life is typically what you remember, right? We were talking in our Grow Deeper small group, and we said something about God being our Father and, and how there's a thousand names, over a thousand names of, of God in, in the Bible. 
And uh, I asked a gentleman, I said, so what is the name of God that ministers to you? And he says, he's my heavenly father. Another person said, he's my healer. Another person said, he's my reconciler. So typically what we remember is something that's personally worked in our life, right? I don't know about you, memorizing or cramming for a test. I, I, I used to be good in French. I used to remember it for about 30 minutes and Today, I know no French. Sorry to say, we love French. <laughs> but uh, it was just enough to pass the, te- pass the test. But, but in life, God says what's personal in your life will be something that's powerful in your life. Okay? So when he says, behold the Lamb of God, what is he saying? In John's life, he recognized the redemptive nature of the Lamb, Right? And we know the Lamb of God in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. It was a lamb that was chosen without blemish, without spot. It was something that had to be chosen, that sacrificed, that would, in the Old Testament, was a foreshadowing of Christ being the ultimate sacrifice in Hebrews 10, 10, so that there would be no other sacrifice. So that perfection or that lamb was a foreshadowing of Christ being without spot and without blemish. Uh, The sinless one paying for sinful man. Behold the Lamb of God. Like behold, that's a very strong word. It means to observe, it means to concentrate, it means to stop, gaze, take it in. And in some regards, the word behold means to worship. Okay? The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. So... In our world today where there's great amounts of things to behold <laughs> that are not uh, going to edify us, not that we have our head in the sand, but unless we behold the Lamb of God, we will uh, miss the work and way of God uh, in this day and age. So notice what he says here. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. First John 2, 2. Everyone's sin. Everyone's sin, okay? The whosoever can come whenever in whatever condition. The whosoever can come whenever in whatever condition, right? So to say that God has paid for the sins of some is not clear teaching. He's paid for the sins of all. Will everyone receive that? Unfortunately, no. I had somebody say that God predestines people to hell. And I said, that's not, that's not the God of the Bible. I said, God has wishes that none should perish, but all come to a place of repentance. And this is what's amazing is some will reject the Lamb of God, okay? Shockingly, right? Shockingly. Okay, let's look over uh, with me to Hebrews 9. So how is it that we apply that blood. The blood is there. The blood is active. It's redemptive blood. It's, it's not just something that was on the cross and now is gone. As a believer in Ephesians 1.13, we are covered in this blood and sealed to the day of redemption. So when God looks at you and I, he sees the blood of Christ. So that is hugely significant Because without the blood, not only would there be no payment for sin, there would be no fellowship with God the Father. 
So you and I today in our sinful state, positionally, we are made clean through the blood of Christ. Okay? So why is it that we see other people's sin? Are we God? Sometimes we try to play God, right? Unfortunately. But when we apply the blood, what does it do? It removes the trace of sin. Now, I'm not saying that the wages of sin is death. So if someone makes a mistake, there's a consequence. We're not free, to, we're not free of consequence. But there'll be mercy for the consequence in James 2, 19. There'll be mercy for that consequence. God says, I will minister to you in that place of consequence. I will not leave you alone, right? But applying the blood, it first happens by beholding him. Beholding him. And we love this passage. It says, love covers. It doesn't condone, but it covers a multitude of sins, which means love is standing. Let's say Tom has done something against me. He hasn't. He's an awesome believer. Let's say he did something or I did something to him. Love stands between us so that my accusation, my thought process, my conclusion must go through love, which is Jesus, uh, before it comes to him. So this is how we apply the blood in our lives, in relationships, is we first must behold the Lamb of God. And that takes a, uh, an intentional step to stop, slow down, not to enter into the natural conclusion of right and wrong, right? Because Isaiah 11.3, Jesus did not come to the conclusion by what he saw, right, with his eyes. But he fellowshiped with the Spirit in 11.3 of Isaiah. So Jesus, who knew everything, did not rely on his natural understanding, he was applying the blood of Christ in his relationships, we could say. So let's say someone does something wrong, okay? Should they be held accountable? Yes. Uh, should, uh, will God ultimately will be the, the, the judge, right? We're not the judge. And we hold people accountable based on truth, not by personal interpretation. But how do we have a relationship beyond the offense? It happens by applying the blood. It's not waiting for that person to, be, to forgive you or you, for you to forgive them. Right? You could be forgiving that person, and they won't forgive you. So you say, well, if you're not going to forgive me, I'm not going to forgive you. What's that? That's not God. That's, that's a natural, logical way of thinking, but it, just, it's a, it does not represent the heart of God. So we're forgiving, regardless if that person forgives us, and we're applying the blood by beholding the Lamb of God. We're saying, okay, Lord, where are you in this where are you? Well, you're in that believer. Let's say the person's an unbeliever. What do we do? We apply the blood on the doorposts, right? Like they did when the death angel came by. What did they see? They saw the blood. They saw a representation, a demonstration of the redemption of God. So this, this is a powerful thing in our life that not only heals relationships, it heals us from our past. No matter what sin, abuse, uh, failure, regret, disappointments, what is the answer? To apply the blood. Say, God, I'm going to put your, uh, your blood and cover that, and it will remove the stain 
of sin. Okay, look at Hebrews chapter 9. So just present the blood. I, I, I want the Lord to minister to that to all of us personally, so I'm not going to give you like a formula here. But if you ask God in your relationships how to present the blood, he will show you. He will show you. Not evil for evil or eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. We all be, be blind, toothless Pharisees, actually, if, if that was the case. But how do we present the blood? Well, we're, the Bible, the Bible is the greatest love letter that declares the work of redemption. Think about Jesus, Romans 10, 21. His arms are stretched out to the evil and the unthankful all day long. What is that? The blood. It's mercy. It is God saying, I am pursuing you even though you don't see your need for me because I love you. Because the blood is redeeming us from the curse of sin. Okay. Hebrews chapter 9. Notice this. Verse 12. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. So that's powerful. You and I can never be rejected. You and I can never be forsaken because the blood has done an eternal work in our life so God can fellowship with you and I in any condition, in any condition. And in our sin, he's, he's drawing us back for fellowship and repentance and reconciliation, right? We see this in Colossians 1.20. We're going to read that in a minute. Notice this, having obtained eternal redemption for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So how many of us today need our conscience, our memory, our mind uh, washed. All of us do, right? Because we're natural. We're going we're gonna to remember the things we're not supposed to remember. We're going to hold people hostage because uh, we're ba a lot of our natural thinking is based in fairness. God is not fair. I'm sure we've realized that. He is just. He is just. It's a world of difference. An ultimate, ultimate justice will happen in heaven. So what's, what's our role today? What's our role in COVID America or COVID, uh, our world, our, our chaotic situation? It's to present the blood. It's to present the blood. It's to present the work of redemption. That's so powerful. And so that we are functioning and have boldness in the day of judgment. Are we in the day of judgment? I would say so. I would say we're moving deeper into the season of sorrows. Uh, I would say that the rapture is imminent, uh, and we, we are aware of that. But we can, we can trip up, I think, here. I know I can. That, God, I, I want my memory erased. I don't, I don't want to know anything but Christ and Christ crucified, 1 Corinthians 2, 2. I don't want to know anything but Christ and Christ crucified. That's impossible without the blood. Jesus says, every day, I want you to fellowship with the work of redemption. But God, this is not right. That's not fair. This person should. Da -da. 
we want to uh, be uh, executors of judgment or retribution, and God says, that's not your ministry. I'm a much better, I do a much better job. Let me deal with that person, okay? All right, look at Colossians 1.20. And God is, God will, won't he? He certainly will. But the blood, the blood of Christ is so needed in relationships, right? Even in our own self-talk, right? Um, I think a lot of self-defeatism can happen because we're remembering something God has forgotten. God says, that's under the blood. I'm not minimizing it or condoning it or saying that it's somehow less than what it is. I don't want to minimize people's pain, but God says there's a place. There's a place. The sin has been dealt with. The sin has been, uh, been clean. John 15, 3, beautiful verse. You are clean through the words I have spoken unto you. So I want to get to know those words. I want to get to know those words more than than trying to remember uh, the pain or the problem. Colossians 1.20, notice this. Um, so, uh, da, 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 20. And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, he has made peace through the blood of his cross. How do we have peace on this earth? It's through the blood of Christ. It's coming to his conclusion, like pastor's message last night, where we say, okay, God, you're right and I'm wrong. Not you're wrong and I'm right. It's coming to the conclusion where the blood of Christ covers us and makes us clean. It's not our experience or correcting our behavior, but it's a place where we're just... God, apply the blood fresh in my understanding. Apply the blood in my conversation. Psalm 17, 2, let my conversation, let my sentence come from the presence of God. How does that happen? Through the blood of Christ, by presenting the blood. The devil says, you sinned here and you did that. and no, What do we do? We don't even answer the devil. We present the blood and say, well, let's see what the blood has to say about this. The blood says uh, in Zechariah 3, 1 through 3, that even in our place of fault, God is replacing our robes with robes of righteousness. Now, that doesn't mean we live in our sin, but it means that our position is not dictated dictated to by uh, sin. All right, Revelations 1.5, notice this. little study here. You all right? You doing okay? So good. I want to know what the blood says about Dennis Asian. Says, he says he's an overcomer, right? I want to know what the blood says about Ged, or I want to know what the blood says about me. I want to have a language that, that comes from presenting the blood. What does the blood say about my spouse? What does the blood say about my kid, right? Because it's easy to be condition, conditioned or um, uh, aware of people's condition, and God is saying the blood shows the position. God says, I'm dealing with you not in your now. I'm dealing with you in your position, who you will be, who I have made you to be. Guaranteed that will transform relationships. People will be like, 
hey, you're not reminding me of my sins. You're not criticizing me and all my flaws. No, because if people were to remark iniquity, guess what? We would all be disqualified. So the creative communication is now we're presenting the blood. We're presenting what God says about that person. Oh, you're ignoring that person's sin. No, I am not ignoring that person's sin. But I'm relating them into a place where they can reconcile with God and have a life with God beyond their sin. And actually their sin is no longer touching or has a hold on them eventually in 1 John chapter 5. The wicked one touches us not. Why? Because the blood of Christ now is uh, actively moving and ministering in that person's life. I don't want to dig up someone's dead bones. I mean, you know, in the Roman days, when they, uh, one of the, um, one of the uh, ways of torture or discipline was they would tie a dead body onto a prisoner. And that di- the disease of the dead body, this is pretty gruesome, sorry for those that are eating here, it would eventually uh, impact the living person. And then in, in a few short, in a short season, the death of that other man attached to that living man would die, that, that living man would die, right? So the old man, when I'm remembering someone's sin, I'm dragging the old man and I'm attaching that to me and guess who's dying? Well, I am dying. My spiritual life is dying and that relationship with that person is dying. So what's the answer? I'm crucified with Christ, which means, Lord, I surrender that offense to you. I surrender that injustice to you. I surrender the chaos to you. And guess what God says? Now you have a new language. Now you have a new mind. And God deals with that evil person. God deals with that injustice. God deals and does a much better job turning things around. Isn't it good? Isn't it good? Like it's like a rose. Like the rose, if you force the flower, it'll die. All right. All right, where are we here? Um, I wanted to read something here. Uh, okay, let's look at Hebrews 10, 19. Hebrews 10, 19. So just present the blood. Let the blood speak, amen? Cain, where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. <laughs> His blood is speaking. Think about how much more God's blood is speaking. I want to hear that voice in my life. I want that to dominate the voice of the natural when I look at people. And that can only be done by the work of grace. Okay, Hebrews chapter 10, 19. Look at this. Wherefore, uh, wherefore, Brethren, having boldness to enter the holies of holies by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. (laughs) Okay? And our bodies washed with pure water. Pure water. What's that water? Well, 1 John tells us it's the water of the word, right? This has to happen on a daily basis. I don't know about you. I need this every day. God, I want to. Yes, the blood is eternal. Yes, the blood is positional. Yes, the blood is living. But I want it to be applied. And and in my activity as a believer. So what am I going to do? I'm going to behold the lamb. 
I'm going to behold the Lamb. I'm going to behold redemption. I'm going to, be, I'm going to behold the work of the cross. I'm going to lift, to be crucified with Christ means I'm lifting up what Christ has done and I'm submitting to what he has done. And therefore, it's no longer I that live, but Christ liveth in me. For the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not hard to live the Christian life. You just have to die first. Because if you're still alive, it's, it's nearly impossible because we're fighting with that dead man strapped to our body. And guess what? We are dying. But you know what's amazing? God says the cross crucifies, Galatians 6.14, it mortifies our members and anything that triggers us in the world. All right, Revelations 1. Look at this. This is what I want to share with you. Isn't this good? So the blood of Christ, the activity of what Jesus did, it is incredibly powerful in relationships. So, just present the blood. The devil has an accusation in 1210 of Revelations. Uh, excuse me, let me get the blood. Let me just, uh, hold on a second. Jesus, can you answer that door, please? And here's the blood. And guess what? The blood in 411 and in 1211, it overcame the devil. I don't need to have a negotiation or dialogue with the devil. I don't even have to have a dialogue about my sin saying, you know, you know, we repent of our sin, absolutely. But oh, somebody, somebody said this one time, I don't feel like God forgave me my sin. I'm like, what? Okay. The, the feelings, feelings are such a liar. If God said it, we believe it. Therefore, it settles it. The, the power of the blood deals with our sin and removes it forever and ever, even if we don't feel like it. Okay. Last verse. You good? You good with me? You here with me? Thumbs up? Okay. This is so edifying. Okay, 1-5, notice this, this is so good. It says, to him who loved us and washed us from our sin in his own blood, and he has made us kings, priests to his God and Father. To him be all glory and ever, dominion forever and ever. Well, how does this happen? How do, we re how do we realize our kingship? How do we realize our priesthood where we represent God to people and people to God? Right? We're priests in our neighborhoods. We're priests in our households. We're priests in our relationships. It's, a, it's, it's representing the blood. Let's talk about what Jesus did, not what that person did. Let's talk about what Jesus did, not what, not what we didn't do. So I'm encouraged with you, amen? I'm encouraged. Let's keep beholding the lamb. Remember, the devil always wants to, to grab our amazement, Right? But guess what? We behold the lamb today. Behold the lamb today. Behold the lamb to get today. <laughs> I just want to do that. Before we look at people, before we listen to people, before we turn on the news, which I don't recommend, but it, that's a necessary evil. You got to stand. How are these Afghanis? How are they going to survive what's, what's in front of them? We're praying for mass revival in Afghanistan. We are. We're praying. And we're praying for our dear brothers and sisters that are in serious trouble. How are they going to make it? Well, they're going to be like Stephen, beholding the lamb. As the stones were coming, what happened? He saw Jesus stand up. What a great thing to get through a trial. Jesus is standing. It's amazing. It's like, wow, we need to be praying. But 
just in the marriage, what a great place to present the blood. It's a bloody mess, <laughs> we could say. But then the blood triumphs over everything and gives us a new language, a new mindset, just a newness that we so desperately need. Amen? Amen? Lord, help us. Thank you for the precious blood of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. The blood can transform any, can transform our mind, our spirit, our conversation. It can do the incredible work, Lord. We just want to present that today in a fresh way. Thank you for the blood where these things have been forgiven, forgotten, and gone forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.